Well, good afternoon, New Day. Uh, I look forward to spending some time with you answering some questions uh, that have been sent in. So I hope to do this consistently each and every week. And if I'm not able to do it, I'll just move it on to the next week. But uh, thank you for joining on. And for those who are watching the recording, I'm just going to proceed into uh, the questions that we're going to answer today. Um, if you were not with us last Wednesday, um, I have uploaded those uh, that Q&A session uh, onto our YouTube page. Also, it will be on our previous Facebook page just as well. So uh, make sure to check it out and hopefully you'll be able to glean some wisdom uh, from some of the answers that we had spoken of uh, just recently. Come on through, guys. Okay. Hey, Jamie. Welcome. All right, let's get started with some of these questions that we have. And if you're on live with me, uh, Byron, if you're uh, welcome, if you're online with me, if you have any questions or follow-up questions, the things that we're going to talk about, uh, just post them right there below at the comments and we'll get right to those. So hope you guys are having a great day. Uh, so here's the first question that came in is when you have to be around other Christians who seemingly have walked away from God and they went back into the world, do you say anything to them? I truly believe we all have a responsibility uh, to hold each other accountable in God's family. Um, but that, that means that I have one, an invitation. I have a, a relationship with that person. Uh, number two, that I would care about them. I think that's extremely important. Sometimes we go, I'm just speaking the truth in love. And so we get really harsh at times. Hi, Tim. Hi, Wendy. Uh, we get really harsh at times to people because we're trying to communicate truth, but we do it without a caring attitude. So one, uh, make sure that you have a relationship with them, that you're, 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 you've been invited to have some type of voice. Number two, make sure you care um, and then address it. Address what you feel like they are not walking in who they are. Remember, we call people up. We're not trying to call people out. What that means is that we address certain things that are not who they are. So we go, man, I've watched you lately. You've, uh, it seems like you've drifted away from the things of God. And, and I just want to encourage you that you are a son or a daughter of God. And this is who you are. And this is how sons and daughters act. And so you're able to call them up into who they are. So don't get uptight. Um, what I love to do at times is um, just let somebody know, hey, um, when you have a chance, I would love to chat with you a little bit. And what happens is it kind of prepares their heart for something. They may not know what we're going to talk about, um, but it also puts me at a place where I've taken responsibility to have the courage to say something uh, to that individual when the time comes. And so they say, yeah, sure, man, let's, uh, let's talk soon. I'm now in prayerful mode of, God, I want to be caring, but I want to share your truth and your love. Uh, to that individual, and I want to address some things that I think are out of line or where they've drifted. And so when you come across as a caring individual, and uh, excuse me, I'm outside, so you may hear some noises or some kids running around. Uh, but when you, when you come across as a caring individual, people are more receptive, even though you can be strong in what you say. So if you're consistently by somebody who has walked away kind of from the things of God, you know they believe in Christ, uh, don't let it go long time without addressing it. Don't allow the spirit of timidity to keep you from saying something that you feel needs to be said. So I hope that answers that. 
Uh, here's a great one because uh, critical points to make. Wendy said this, make sure you're invited to communicate with somebody. Yep, uh, thanks for, for putting down some of those notes. I'm actually going to uh, post these questions too while we answer them. So let me post that right here. Thank you guys for being on with me today. I think you guys are going to like some of the questions that have been asked. Um, okay, question number two. Uh, what is repentance? Uh, it seems like a harsh world in today's uh, vocabulary. Repentance is something I think is spoken of all throughout the scriptures. Um, but I want to encourage you that although in its basic definition, repentance means to change our mind, uh, repentance is something, and let me just take a moment and just clarify my thoughts because I want to make sure I, I communicate this to you guys. For an unbeliever, repentance is toward the Father. It's, it's admitting that, God, you are true and that I've believed a lie and I have lived a lie or I've lived according to my own self. And so Acts 20, verse 20 and 21 says that we are to repent toward God and we are to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Acts 17, 30, it says that God uh, desires that all men would come to a place of repentance. First Peter 3, 9 says that just as well or 2 Peter 3, 9. And so there's a place of repentance, but I want to encourage those of us who are believers what repentance looks like because many times we think it's a place of sorrow, it's a place of guilt, it's a place of feeling shame. Now you may feel for a moment like, man, I just, man, God, I missed the mark. I, I, I walked into some sin and man, God, I just, I know that I missed it with you. And so you feel bad about that, which I think that's a good thing, but that's not repentance. That's just a sign that you actually care about living for God. So what I want to encourage people when they come to me, they go, man, I've just messed up so much, Justin. I don't know how he's going to forgive me, or I don't know, man, I just, I just feel bad. I felt bad for the last three days. That is not good because that's not believing and receiving the gospel. Repentance is toward something, not away from something. I want to make sure I, 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 I say that very clearly. Repentance is toward somebody or toward someone, God, and not away from something. Sometimes we're repenting from the big bad person that we were and the big bad sin that we committed. And so we're focused on what we did and who we used to be. And so our constant focus of repentance is that rather than repent toward God, I know that's not me. I know you've made me a new creation. I know I'm a son of God. I know I'm your beloved and I, you are delighting in me. And Father, I've committed a sin. And so I repent now for not being who you called me to be. I repent for not living the way that you've called me to live. I repent for not uh, stepping into the opportunity to obey you when I chose not to. So I'm repenting towards something rather than focusing, wallowing in and repenting away from something else. We know it's important in 1 John uh, 1, 9 to confess our sins. And it says that God is faithful to forgive us of those things and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so when the Holy Spirit is prodding you about something, he's not trying to condemn you because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. That's a position and that comes a benefit of being in that position. So the Holy Spirit says, Justin, that's not you. That, that, that's not what a son 
acts like toward their spouse. That's not what a son acts like toward other people. That's not what a son looks at, thinks like. Justin, this is what I've called you to. I've called you to righteousness. I've called you to holiness. I've called you to be who I called you to be. You are a beloved son and daughter. And so the Holy Spirit is calling me up just as well. Hey, Phil. Hey, Sherlina, Anna, Gary, Michelle. Thank you all for joining on. So repentance is, of course, at the end of the day, it's surrendering. When you look at Luke chapter 15, and I know sometimes people have a tough time with this, but Luke chapter 15 gives three great parables that Jesus spoke of when it comes to repentance. A sheep, a coin, and the prodigal son. I want to assure you in this, although it was parables about repentance, not one of those three significantly showed any signs of repentance. And I understand it's a sheep and it's a coin, so those have no ability to do so. But the shepherd went out and found the sheep and the sheep was surrendered. Ultimately, repentance is this, or the proof of it is that I've surrendered my will, my mind, my emotions to who I am in Christ and to who God is for me, that he has forgiven me. So I surrender to his forgiveness. I surrender to his love. And that's why the Bible says the goodness of God that leads one to a place of repentance. Of what? Surrender. Father, I give up. You've been pursuing me. You've been loving me. You've been so good to me. You haven't struck me down. You've given me mercies. You've given me forgiveness. I surrender. That surrendering is a, a sign of a repentant heart, not, oh, I'm just no good. I just suck at being a Christian. I can't do this, and I'll never be good enough. That's not repentance. That is self-centered feeling bad about what you did and me receiving the gift of righteousness and receiving the abundance of grace, that's repentance. Repentance is surrender and then receive and then allow that to transform your life. I hope that makes sense. So um, let me put that one here. Okay, uh, third question. Uh, Justin, you mentioned, now this is a biggie. You mentioned we as believers do not have a sin nature. What do you mean by that? I want to I stand by that statement because I do believe it's true, is that as believers of Jesus Christ, we were once sinners, but then God regenerated, or process of regeneration, he took the heart of stone out, and he put a heart of flesh, and he placed his spirit in us, and so he regenerated us, which means that he gave us a new nature, and not only that, he gave us a new record or a clean record in the courtroom of heaven. And so when I say that statement, we do not have a sin nature. We have sin habits. We have cycles and patterns and mindsets that needs to be broken. But at the end of the day, I don't have a nature to sin. I am a saint now in Christ, not just positionally, but as he created in me in Christ Jesus. Now, let me explain why. Jesus said this sentence. He said, either a tree is good or a tree is bad. It is not both. It's either good or it's bad. And so if Jesus said that, you will know the tree by the fruit that is produced. Either it's a good tree or a bad tree. So the question at the end of the day is, do we believe that we have two good and evil trees in us? Or can we be made a good tree or a bad tree? I was once a bad tree. I produced fruit contrary to the kingdom of God. God saved my life. He forgave my sins. He gave me a new heart. He cleaned my record. And now I'm a new tree. I'm a brand new tree that was made right in his sight. I've been blameless, holy, and, and unreproachable in the Father's sight. So I've now been given a new nature. When you look at Romans 7, 
which Paul talks about this struggle between the flesh and sin and the goodness of the law and who's going to set me free, it, it makes a very important statement in Romans chapter 7, verse 1. It says, to those who are under the law, he is now speaking to a life that he lived under the law, that he felt like the law could get him to a place of righteousness. And so he did his best to serve the law of God. In Romans chapter six, it says, we are dead to the law. We are dead to sin and our old man is dead. So our old nature has been dead. Remember, you are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will and emotions, and you live in a body or a flesh. That body has habits and patterns and desires of other things in this world. So I am free from sin. I am free from the power of sin. I am free from the law that gives strength to sin. And my old man is dead. I'm not a new creation. And so I do not have a nature now to sin. There may be habits and a propensity toward things and things that I find myself to struggle with. But when I wake up, I don't go, man, I'm going to not try not to sin today. No, I'm a redeemed son, a saint of the living God. I now have the power of God living in me. The nature of God is in me. He has, I've been crucified with Christ. Christ now lives in me. And so now what happens is I live as a saint in Christ. I'm no longer trying not to sin. Now that is a mouthful, but it's extremely important. And there's so much to say. Let me just read this to you. Um, Therefore, we were buried with him through the baptism and death, Romans 6, 4, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man, the old sin nature man was crucified with him and the body of sin might be done away with that we should be no longer slaves of sin for he who has died has been freed from sin. I am free from the nature. Let me give you a quick example. If I had a pig and I had a little um, area over here of mud and a nice arrangement of food and I released that pig, where would he go? He would probably go to the mud pit. Why? Because that's his nature. If that pig turned into a human while he was in that mud pit eating all that disgusting garbage. If he turned into a human, what would he do? He would spit out the garbage and you'd go, yuck, what is this? Because his nature changed. He is now a human, so he desires different things. When God regenerated us, he changed our nature to desire the things of God. And that's why it says in Philippians uh, chapter 2 that he, he is now working within us both to will and to do and to desire his good will. So again, that's a mouthful. We'll talk more about that uh, in time to come. But I truly believe we have a new nature, a new creation in Christ Jesus. We have old sin habits, but a not, old, not an old sin nature. Um, here's the next question. Uh, let me post that one. Any questions on that one, guys? That was a mouthful, if you're still even listening. You'll have to watch that one again if you have a chance. Uh, what is repentance? Oh, we already did that one. Um, all right. All right. Next question is this one. Does New Day have accountability set up? Uh, yes, it does. We have um, uh, overseers, which oversee myself. It's three individuals, Jeffrey Rachmat from Indonesia, a pastor I highly respect. There's not another leader that I respect more than this man. He has a church of about 19,000 people, one of the most humble guys I've ever witnessed 
and come to uh, experience in my life. Uh, Pastor Mike McCartney, uh, it's a church that kind of sent us off as a new church plan. Uh, so he speaks into my life. And then my good, awesome mentor and friend, Dione Victor. And so those are the ones that oversee me spiritually and personally, make sure that um, I'm doing okay and that I'm living the life that God has called me to live. And then we have a board. A board oversees accountability financially for New Day and to make sure that um, our behaviors, our customs, our, our money is in the right order, mo moving in the right direction. Uh, they don't determine the vision of New Day, um, but they help me to make decisions when it comes to any financial impact uh, that comes with New Day. Um, and so, yeah, that's accountability. That's a board of five. Uh, hold on one second. No, no, just use your phone, please. Uh, we have a board of five individuals, um, uh, and those five are Tony Simon. He's a missionary from Mexico. Brian Chu, a missionary who lives in Colorado, uh, who travels to different parts of third world countries. Ryan Bergeron, who we all know. Jim Lambert, who we all know. Jeffrey Rockmont was on that, and then myself. And so um, they help determine uh, any money that I make, things that we do when it comes to renting out facilities, and where some of the money goes. So they hold me accountable uh, to the things that, um, that we're working on. So if you have any questions regarding that, uh, that is how we are accountable and that's what we're set up for. And we are um, also held accountable to the IRS and all those different things. So they make sure, uh, two things, they make sure um, that New Day um, is healthy and then that me and Sarah are healthy and then ultimately that hopefully the vision that I cast before people uh, will be accomplished. So they're very hyper-focused on making sure New Day is healthy and then Sarah and I. Uh, actually, that leads us into um, our next question. If you guys have any questions, just send them here while we're on. Uh, next question is, how are you and Sarah doing? Well, I must say this has been uh, one of the most challenging uh, two and a half years of her life prior to actually starting New Day and then this past year. Um, two and a half years ago, Summer got diabetes. Uh, we moved to Florida, then moved back. We stepped away from a ministry that I truly believed I was uh, going to take over one day. And the Lord, I believe, spared me greatly. And I get to now uh, do this awesome church plant with you guys. Um, but we moved to Florida with great hopes, expectations, trying to renew some things in our marriage and with our family. Um, and we were moving that direction. Things were going good. Uh, we had uh, a good amount of savings in the account, and we thought we were going to start a fresh, a new season of life. Uh, then Summer gets sick, and uh, when Summer got sick, our world turned upside down very quickly, and uh, both financially, we moved back to here, um, to the state of Illinois, and uh, had a very, very tough time. We were without insurance for over a year and a half, and uh, I did not have a job for many of those months, looking many, many different places, over 100 different app applications, different places. I uh, started working at a camp nearby uh, for part-time and uh, tried to sell some things on my Simple Believer site. So, uh, so we struggled financially for quite a while, but we really believed this was the time to take a step. To take a step. Okay, sorry, not sure exactly what happened. Poor connection, so hopefully uh, some of you will join on as we continue to finish off with some of these questions. Um, but as I was saying, um, man, Sarah and I went through that process of just uh, growing through very, very challenging season of life and uh, 
she was having a tough time because I wasn't uh, able uh, to provide financially um, for us during that season of life and the pressure and the stress of what was going through the summer and uh, some relationship things here going on. Uh, then we started a new day and soon after that, um, her mother uh, took her life and that was a very, very low moment. But I can say with, um, with a certain level of confidence and genuineness and sincerity, uh, we're doing we're doing good. We're do, we're in a better place together as a family. Um, I'm able to make uh, um, a, a decent amount of money uh, just pastoring New Day uh, with my Fem Simple Believer site. Sarah's uh, of of course continued to do real estate, and so we're just grateful that um, God has seen us through some of the challenging, most challenging moments of our entire life. So, yep, Wendy, take two. We're back and uh, uh, just trying to work this out. So. Uh, Sarah is one of the greatest ladies I've ever met. Um, I appreciate her in so many new ways. She is extremely gifted in two very things. She can foresee what's going to take place in the uh, the future, and that's not always easy to live um, like that from an individual that sees things like that because you um, not everybody certainly agrees with what's going to play out. And uh, number two is she loves to um, – think out of the box. She's not looking to status quo. She's not looking to keep things a certain way. She loves to change and she loves to see what new and next God has for her. So I've come to really appreciate that about her. I think she's a great wife of a pastor. I don't think she's a pastor's wife because I don't think there is such a thing. She's a wife of a pastor. And so um, my hope uh, and desire always for her is that she does not feel she has to fit some pastor's wife mold or be like this or be like that. I think everybody knows if she is just Sarah Kane, man, the world is a better place. New Day is a better place. I'm a better man. So I'm grateful for her and uh, I'm grateful that God has uh, seen us through some challenging times and brought us closer together. Uh, so yeah, thank you for that question. Sarah and I, I believe. I cannot actually do anything there. Um, all right, next question is, uh, Justin, I like that you stand um, out in front to greet the people before they get to the church. Is there a reason why you have chosen to do that? Um, yes, there's actually a very intentional reason. Um, I've never been very good at remembering names. I feel like I can memorize scripture pretty easily and remember addresses and references when it comes to the Bible, but I've always struggled uh, to know somebody's name and to remember that name with the face that I see. Um, and I wanted to really make sure if we were going to put our stamp on relational before functional, I didn't want to be the guy that was just seen on stage. I want to connect with everybody that God has given me or entrusted me to shepherd and I want to do that well. And so um, I just made a point to say, you know what? I want to get out there and I want to shake people's hands. I want to get to know them on a personal level, who they are by name. Um, and I'm I, I just grateful for you guys. Many of you come and um, some of – we have time to talk as we walk through the doors and stuff like that. But um, that you just have always been so uh, recognizing of the time. Uh, that we don't have a lot to talk about at that moment. So it's really like a high type thing and a greeting, but um, that has really helped me to connect with many of you on a, uh, just an initial level there. And then we can grow in a relationship from there. So it was intentional. I didn't want to ever come across as um, untouchable or the guy who just shows up on stage and walks off. 
no matter how big the church gets, I want to make sure I remain personable and that I know as many people as I possibly can by name. And God has really given me a grace to, to remember names as much as possible. So I'm grateful uh, for that. Very grateful. So uh, thank you for recognizing that. And I think it's been a, a good thing. So um, what does your prayer, prayer life look like, Justin? I would say it's always seasonal. It looks very different in different seasons. When I was in college, it looked different than before I was married. When I got married, it looked different before I had kids. When I have kids, it looks different than before I planted a church. And so I have the, uh, the freedom and the allowance because of um, uh, the time um, that I, I – I, or the freedom of the, the uh, pastoring that allows me to spend time with people but also spend time with God. So – uh, my prayer life is I, I love to start off the morning in, in a time of prayer. Um, I start after every day with just receiving from God. I, I try to teach that as much as possible to you guys, but I love just to say, God, I just received today that I am your beloved son, and I receive your grace today to do what you've called me to do. I receive a heart that hears your voice. I receive the ability to see opportunities that you have placed right before me uh, to love other people. Lord, I just receive your love and your anointing and your power today so I can go out and be an ambassador of Christ. And Lord, I just received today the faith to overcome the mountains and the challenges, to see from your perspective, to have a heart that you have. And I just received your mercy that is brand new, that I'm not deserving of any of your judgment because your mercy. And so I go into this receiving mode of preaching the gospel to myself and uh, then I go into a time of spending time in the word and just allowing the word of God uh, small passages with a notepad and uh, I just spend a good half an hour 40 minutes of just going through what does that verse what is it speaking into my life and so I let the word of God richly dwell within me and then I love just to worship God throughout the course of the day so I try to break away um, not in long stints, but shorter stints, three or four times a day just to get away, spend a little bit of time thinking upon the message or the, the, the verse that I read or just receiving from God. If I'm going through a stressful moment or people are, are criticizing me or whatever it is inside myself, I'm struggling, I go into a mode where I just break away for five, seven minutes and go, God, I just receive I just receive from you right now the ability to rest when circumstances are going crazy. And Lord, I just thank you for the patience that uh, I can get from you right now because I desperately need to walk in the patience that you have given to me and that I'm a man of self-control. And so I break away to have those moments of receiving um, from God so that I'm always reminded he is my source and I'm just a recipient so I can freely now give that to other people. So my prayer life is um, 24 hours a day in the sense of always trying to be in communion with the Father, not always talking to Him, not always listening, um, but always connected. And I often encourage people is that um, just because you eat breakfast doesn't mean you're not going to be hungry for lunch. And just because you eat breakfast and lunch doesn't mean you're not going to be hungry for dinner. Um, and so I don't make anything legalistic or ritual or I have to do this. Um, but I think it's important for us to have a heart to step away um, from the busyness of life and the worries and the cares of life and just spend time with God. There's a difference between a relationship with God that is based upon me and Jesus and fellowship with, with God. So my relationship with God is based upon Christ. My fellowship with God is now me accessing a relationship or a time with God um, because of who I am in Christ. And so uh, that's intimacy. It's one thing to be married to your spouse. It's another thing to have fellowship and time with that spouse. And uh, so I see a, a big difference when it comes to that. Um, two more questions. I really struggle to read the Bible. 
what do you suggest I do? First and foremost, ask God for a desire to read the Bible. Um, it's, 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 it's important. It's, it, there's many reasons for it. Um, and I love to, I, I'll tell you this, the reason why I always have a physical Bible and I actually read from and study from even at my house instead of an iPad is because my kids are watching too. And they may see me on an iPad, but not know I'm reading the Bible. And I want them to know this is an important book in our life. It's the most important book. And so I make a point to spend time in the Word and to read. Um, and just because you don't have a desire or you feel like you struggle to do so doesn't give you an excuse not to do it. Don't allow self the right to go, oh, that's too hard, or I'm not too interested, or I don't even know where to read. No, if you know how valuable it is, you'll make sure you do it. It's kind of like eating healthy, um, working out, all those different things. If you come to the persuasion of the value of eating healthy or the value of working out your body, it will override the, I just don't really like to do it. Um, the Bible is our source of wisdom. It's our source of strength. It's our source of God's voice into our hearts. And it says that we are to allow the, the word of God to richly dwell within us. Um, and there's so many different passages uh, to look at when it comes to that. But uh, I, I highly encourage you to first and foremost, ask God for a desire. And then the second thing I really encourage is when you're reading a passage, let's say it's a, a simple passage. I'll just pull one out. John 17, one through three. And it's about the prayer that Jesus has with this father. I would take those verses and I would walk as I do them, but I would have a journal ready. And I would just begin to say, God, I really want you to help me understand and show me how you're speaking to me through these passages. And I would just begin to write down thoughts that came to me while I'm reading this or like, man, that's really good. Or man, what about this? Or does that recognize, you know, um, does that look the same in my own life? And, and then I start to just ask the Holy spirit to help me and to understand that scripture just as well. So, uh, that's kind of what I would encourage you to do when it comes to the Bible. This is the most important book in your life. You cannot, I truly believe this, be a strong believer, one that is strong to handle many obstacles without fully understanding, well, let me say this, without diving into the word of God and allowing the word of God dive into you. Jesus like this, unless he, one who abides in me and my words abide in him, he can ask the father of anything and it will be granted to him. So um, spending time in the word is extremely, extremely important. All right, final question. Here we go. And uh, I really like this one. How do you become love, Justin? Um, I feel like I struggle to love certain people or, or some people. I understand what that is. Now, I do not measure my love for people based upon my feeling. I measure my love for others based upon how God loves me. So I'm constantly trying to increase my capacity to receive God's love for me so that they can be the recipients of all that he has given and blessed me. Remember, everybody should be a recipient of the overflow in your life, not you just constantly giving out, giving out to the point where you're dry. That's not the kingdom of God. Jesus lived full and everybody experienced the overflow. So as I become love, how do you become in the kingdom? You become by receiving the love of God. So I receive God's love for me, the grandeur of it, the greatness of it, the length of it, the width of it, the depth of it. And I go, God, fill me and give me a greater capacity to receive your love so I can freely give it no longer if they're my enemy, if there's somebody that is 
spitefully said something against me, I can now, whatever they do to me, they get love in return. So they don't re, they do not determine whether or not I'll love them. Who I have become because of what I received determines what they're going to get from me, which is the love that I received from the Father. And so I'm not trying to love people. I don't wake up trying to love people. I wake up going, God, I want to receive your love so much that it overflows in my life that now I get to freely love those who come across my path. And that's when life transforms for everybody is now I'm freely walking in a place where I've become love. You look at 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love is patient, love is kind, love does not boast, not envy, all those things. And we try to do that as a list. But what if you just became love and the result of you becoming love was all those things? How simple would life be? Then love is no longer hard. It's actually who you are. So now you can freely give it wherever you go. So great questions today. Uh, thank you guys for being on. I'll make sure to put both part one and part two together, throw them up on YouTube. And uh, I'll post that as soon as I can. But everybody, have a great day. Thank you again for being with me. Jessica, uh, you're awesome. And uh, I'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.